This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. We're back with more Tapped Out with Brendan Tobin and Sean Levine on the BetQL Network. Time fights in Long Island are over. Yair Rodriguez ends up winning in a weird way, technically a TKO over Brian Ortega. Let's talk about that and other fight stuff with Eric Richter of the New York Post joining us here on Tapped Out. First, Eric, let's just go ahead and start with what we just saw. It was a weird finish. Yair ends up winning. What does that mean for him next? Like, Do you think that he fights for the belt next, or does he need one more fight based on the way that just happened? No, nah, he's not going to get another shot at the belt. Uh, if I were the UFC, I'd probably rebook that fight. Ortega got onto the mat. Ortega was looking to get into the mat that entire round. Had double underhooks the whole time, and he got him to the ground, and it seemed like he was ready to pass guard, maybe go into side control. Ortega's filthy on the mat. Uh, so I think Rodriguez is in some legitimate trouble, even though he was winning striking exchanges like we had initially thought that would probably happen. Um, for me, you rebook the fight. You can be a five-round main event again, but Rodriguez doesn't move up or down uh, too much. I don't want to disrespect his win too much, but it's tough to really um, – it's tough to go forward. You have to you have to remake that fight, in my opinion. It seems like Ortega wanted it, so it, it seems like it's the fight to make. Uh, I don't know what you guys think, though. Yeah, I think if, if somebody's probably happy for that, it's probably Josh Emmett because now it feels like there's not really another option there for Volkanovski um do you think then that that probably puts them in in the position because they were dubbing this a title eliminator not necessarily a number one contenders match um is that probably the direction you think it would go uh emmett i wanted emmett to get the fight when i mean korean zombie had no business being in there with volkanovsky a couple months ago he had no business being in there he was outclassed and there's not on the same level of fighter now i understand remaking the holloway fight but emmett should have gotten that title shot against the korean zombie uh, let's just be real here. I would have actually liked to see an Ortega Volkanovski rematch. Doesn't seem like it's going to happen now after uh, he just lost to Rodriguez. Probably remake the Ortega fight. Emmett deserves the title shot next. Uriah Faber has been pushing for it for a while now. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw his post-fight uh, comments. He was very upset that the uh, that the UFC wasn't uh, pushing Emmett, uh, putting him in the front row of like uh, seating at uh, the Volkanovski Holloway pay-per-view. So I think Emmett's probably next, but realistically, Volkanovski kind of cleared out 145. I don't really see Emmett beating him anyway. So I think a 155 uh, pending whoever beats Oliveira and Makachev, I think that could be interesting. That zombie fighting for the title thing was weird. Like, I guess anytime you get a title fight where one guy, what do you come in? Like, uh, plus 450 or something like that, 480 by the time the fight went off. Like, that should tell you right there that he's probably not the right guy at the right time. But I know who is, and that's Patty Pimblett. And he fights next week 
in London. So BT, you might want to make a note of this. It's another day card. So you're going to have to set that alarm up out there early in Miami and wake up and watch fights during the day. Um, Patty Pimblett, do you think he keeps cruising or do you think he's finally met his match against Jordan Levitt? Now, do, does he get his, did he, does he meet his match or is he just too big of a favorite? That's really the question that I think needs to be answered. He's minus 300 this weekend against Levitt. Ooh. And that seems like nonsense. Uh, if you're asking me, the last opponent that he faced was not on the same level, almost got knocked out. He desperation takedown, pulling guard, and then he's able to reverse position, get the submission in the first round. That's how that fight went. Piblet isn't going to have the ground as a safety net. Usually he has a grappling advantage against his opponents. Not going to have that against Levitt. So if, Pet, if Pimblet isn't a UFC caliber striker, and we don't know that yet, if he's, a, if he's not a UFC caliber striker, he's not going to have grappling as a, um, as a safety net. And Levitt's gonna, Levitt will give him a, more, than a, more than enough trouble on the ground. He could get a submission. So I'm playing Levitt plus 210, and that seems like the, that seems like the play. I've had it locked in since the line came out. So I, I'd be really surprised if Pimblet looks like a minus 300 favorite uh, coming this weekend in, in London. Hopefully, he might get knocked out like uh, Till did against Masvidal. What uh, what do you think it, it what lends it to the odds being like that? Is it just the idea that Pimblet's just got a hype train behind him? People love his personality and all that. He's got you know the bar stool stuff over here in America where people get to know him as well. Like, why do you think it is that lopsided right now? Because you're right, I think that is uh, those are crazy odds right now. I'm interested to go into the sports books. I'm, I probably will go to them directly this week and find out what their exact um, handle and bet percentages are on Levitt versus Pimblet because it doesn't really make sense for him to be a minus 300. He hasn't shown to be a minus 300 favorite really against anybody. So um, it could be home cooking in London. Like if it goes to decision, I would be super worried that no matter what, even against Burgos today, even Burgos today in, in New York, I don't know if he necessarily won that fight. I thought it was really, really close. And one judge had it a draw. And they gave the third round to Jordan and gave Burgos a 10-8 in the first round. That made no sense. So I am worried about a little home cooking on a, on a decision. I think that if it's close, it's going to go to Pimblet. So it's really going to have to be a finish for Levitt in, um, in London. Talking with Eric Richter here at the New York Post, tapped out on the BetQL network. Isn't it kind of, Eric, just the same thing with Sean O'Malley? Like, you don't want to bet against them. The same reason why people don't, you know, dislike babies and puppies. And you don't want to be the guy that actually puts your money on Levitt that night. Like, it feels bad betting against O'Malley and Patty Pimblet. I will do it with a smile on my face. <laughs> <laughs> I'll do it all day long. But I will say I'm a big I was a big Conor McGregor fan. He kind of helped me get into MMA. So uh Conor McGregor, I've never bet against him in my life. I thought he would lose to Khabib, but I was taking it plus 180 or whatever he was. Um yeah, it's tough. I mean, same thing with O'Malley. Didn't bet against O'Malley uh for the Pedro Munoz fight. Um, you got to pick your spots. I think Piblet showed holes, holes in his game. And the reality is, if um, unless you've done something to show that you are minus worthy of minus 300 favorite and you look like a minus 300 and you don't look like a minus 300 favorite, he hasn't looked like it yet. And he's a minus 300 favorite in his probably toughest uh, opponent yet. You, you got to pick that spot there uh, with Levitt. I, I just don't see where the big advantages are, to be honest. I don't know if he's UFC caliber striker. We'll find out. One guy who's definitely you know many times, just... real quick, BT. You many times I've told BT, Eric, don't bet on Jorge Masvidal just because he's your guy. And then the next day, he's like, "Oh man, I probably shouldn't have done that." But I still love Jorge Masvidal. So for do. those people listening, 
I don't know, man. UFC feels like one of those things. Bet with your head, not with your heart, or don't do it at all. But we've all got those guys. So my go ahead. My Twitter description is a my Twitter description is a Twitter is a Sopranos quote. Uh, in 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 the show, they say bet with your head, not over it, because there's like a gambler who gets into trouble with the mob or whatever. It says bet bet with your head, not over it. That's my quote on Twitter. Uh, because that's just what you have to do, especially in situations like this, where there's no clear, it's more, this is a coin flip as far as I'm concerned, this fight. Well, I have seen some pictures of my boy Masvidal uh, enjoying vacation right now. I got to say, he looks a little bit like Fat Patty Pimblet, so I'm going to need him to have some time before his next fight to get into shape, because he definitely looks like he's been enjoying his time off so far. Going to get knocked out by my rigger? (laughs) I'd be be so into that fight. Absolutely. Like, especially, uh, you know, Dana's been, he's been teasing uh, maybe coming down to Miami forever. Like, putting that one in Hard Rock Stadium, I would be all for that if they could make that happen. Um, Going and looking at the main event, Tom Aspinall, this guy has not had to go very far in his UFC career. Like, he has been getting guys done very, very quickly. Curtis Blades is a a menace, though, and it feels like he's got test after test after test to prove. What do you make of the odds in this one? How do you like Aspinall looking at this one as he continues to kind of set his sights on a potential title shot down the line? So this one's pretty interesting to me. Um, When I was with the Action Network, I did a study of fights over the entire 2021 year. Uh, So I broke down every UFC fight night main event and then every uh, pay-per-view main card fight. Total was like 65 fights for the whole year. And I only, I only took the ones where there was an opening line where the, the sports books put uh, a fighter as a favorite, and then they were moved to underdog status by closing line, by the closing line time. So um, whatever the sports book opened it, so say the sports book opens you at minus 150 and you close at plus 120, the data showed that the, that the sports books were right more often than not, um, that that fighter deserved to be a favorite. So how does that work for this fight? This fight, Blades opened at a minus 120 favorite uh, to Aspinall's plus 100. The line is totally switched. Blades is actually plus 120. Now Aspinall's minus 150. Tough to really uh, call this one because Aspinall's a super talented athlete. But I think Blades is just so much bigger. And Aspinall's never faced a wrestler like this. I think Blades is actually the side here, uh, especially at, at plus 120. And Blades, the wrestling, he looks like he's in better shape than he's ever been in. Um, and Aspinall, and, and you look at what uh, Blades had a hard time with in his career. He got knocked out by Derek Lewis, and basically anybody with big time power, he struggles. Uh, and Ganu destroyed him every single time, right? So it's big power that he really struggles with. Now, he might not have as big of a grappling advantage that he does against Aspinall, uh, that he will against Aspinall than against p- past opponents, but Aspinall doesn't have that big one punch power. He's more of an accumulation volume striker. So Blades. I think that he's big enough, he's quick enough, and he's he just has such a size advantage and such a good wrestler. Uh, I think he's the side at plus one twenty, and I, I and I don't want to go against all of the London guys. I know it was such a fun card in England last time, and all the England guys won, and Molly McCann and and all that. I don't want to go against all of them, but there there's a lot of juice on these lines, and I think the sports book was right initially. Blades is the favorite. Aspinall is just. He's a very good fighter, but he's he's more of a well-rounded fighter than he is uh, than when you match him up with Blades. He's just very well-rounded. Tough fight for him, though. Talking with Eric Richter here at the New York Post on Tapped Out. Whoever ends up winning that fight, what does it mean? Do they get a shot at the, I guess it's called the vacant title right now, that Ngannou, whenever he comes back? I'm Alex Rodriguez. 
And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. I might be a little biased here. I, beginning of the year, I had a, I have an 80 to one ticket on Blades to be the UFC heavyweight champion. Damn. So I'm biased as hell. I want Blades to win this fight. I want them to strip Ngannou, and then I want Blades versus. I, I don't know. I, I I don't know how else he becomes champion. It's That's stripping Ngannou, or he fights Ngannou. He's not beating Ngannou. Like he just can't. We've already shown that. But I have an eighty to one ticket, so I would love to see a Blades win and then a, a, a title shot. But it just seems like it's going to be John Jones versus Stipe at MSG, and Ngannou's probably not going to fight by the end of the year. And then it'll be winner of Stipe John Jones versus Ngannou probably like March. That would be my guess. Does a yeah. ticket like that, does that count if his interim? Like, so let's say, for example, versus if it was John versus Stipe, but he's a replacement fighter because somebody got hurt. Like, will we have you like trying to have a one slip on a banana peel there over at MSG to try and get them in there? Like, if interim title counted, I would do some shenanigans to make that happen. I'm I'm in New York. Maybe I'll just like I'll do the Tony Ferguson and trip over a wire. Hopefully right. not to the ACL. <laughs> um, but no, so interim titles do not count, unfortunately. So you can I bet that in January before the when there was like a three week rest between Christmas and like right after New Year's. So uh, jumped on that at eighty to one. It's it's a good ticket, but um, I I don't know if the UFC wants to give him a fight. They haven't promoted Blade. What is it? It's it's this this calendar year. Blade has yeah, the um, belt to be the champion December thirty first. I don't think it's – I mean, don't rip it up is all I'm telling you. I'm not like, ripping it up. That, yeah. Definitely not ripping it up. I bet on DraftKings and on PointsBet. Um, I'm pretty excited about it. And I, I just – they're not they're not promoting him at all. So I just don't really see the – I don't really see the roadmap. He's not beating Ngannou. Here's what he so needs to like, do. He needs to, he needs to do something. Great. He has to, like, stop Aspinall. He needs to get on that microphone, call out John Jones, like, just a crazy promo – and he yeah, kind of also needs something style. to happen with Stipe. I know it's not his style, but he needs like, and you need like maybe like Stipe's still not ready or something like yeah. that. I don't know exactly what how, and but then it's like interim doesn't count. That's also a part of it. Right. Interim doesn't count. So well, maybe maybe oh, Prince so Ngannou. Yeah, that's maybe Ngannou. Okay. Yeah, yeah, if Ngannou goes and fights Tyson Fury, that's what you need to root for. Tyson Fury to get the Ngannou fight, I mean. and then they strip him. So they there now that's Dude, Marcy, my guy BT, you can talk about the problems, but he's always solutions oriented. That's how you get it. That's that's your best shot. Is that is that Ngannou comes back, says he's healthy, gets into it with Dana negotiations, says screw this, he goes away, and then how about this? They have like a special like December Curtis Blades fights. Like you get in right under the gun, and then that's what I'm saying. It might be the most legendary ticket that anybody's ever had. All right, real quick, uh, your <laughs> thoughts on? Chris Curtis versus Jack Hermanson, Derek Till out, Chris Curtis in. I think we get a better fight with Darren Till being out. Probably the in, the the walkouts. Are, I always get really excited for the walkouts. Like I was bummed out that Ortega didn't walk out to the purge today. Just my opinion. Um, I, if Ortega did the purge every time, I'd be on my feet excited. Um, so I, I get excited for the walkouts. I know that Darren Till did the Sweet Caroline walkout in England and then immediately gets knocked out in the second round by a monster at all. So uh, bummer. I mean, that was a heartbreaker. Um, yeah, I think that Till, it's a bummer. It's a bummer what's going on with Till. He, I don't know if you saw his quotes with MMA fighting, but he was, uh, 
he's, he's in the dumps right now. Uh, he said that this is like the lowest, the lowest he's ever been in his career. He's going through it right now. Feel for the guy. I think Chris Curtis is an absolute savage right now. He's on it. He loves fighting right now. He loves it. He wants to fight any single opportunity he gets, and he is steamrolling people. Jack Hermanson's not a great striker. And, you know, at one point I was like, well, his wrestling, his wrestling, his wrestling. I don't think I've ever seen a good English wrestler ever. Like, besides George. Well, George is Canadian. Um, <laughs> um, I was like, I was going to say, yeah. Um, well, so I, just like when it comes to British wrestlers, I just don't, they don't really stack up. I mean, you see Hamzad, who's a blue belt in jiu-jitsu, beat him badly in a, gra- in a, in a grappling match. I don't know if you guys saw that, but um, Hamzad, at fight uh, in a grappling match, out wrestled Hermanson thoroughly throughout that uh, grappling. Uh, it was just a like a for fun grappling match. Hermanson's supposed to be bigger. I don't believe in his wrestling. I think that Curtis is just more athletic. Uh, he's the rightful favorite. He actually opened as a dog, and then has been bet the favorite status for what that's worth. Really, so it's the opposite. Um, I'll still take Curtis though. Um, we're we're telling you the British bulldog in the WWF is actually the last good British wrestler. That's it for Eric Richard. That's it for that segment from the New York Post. Thanks so much. You're tapped out on the BetQL Network. Thank you guys. Appreciate it.